0: So the theme for our morning's reflections is compassion and the union or the manifestation of compassion out of or through emptiness. So compassion, and this uh, is a natural evolution that you'll probably see in the discussions, the themes of this retreat and this um, more focusing on compassion comes out of the talk and the practices that we did yesterday about the qualities of the awake mind, that it's uh, radiant, that it's empty, radiant, and ceaselessly responsive. So really want to highlight the compassion aspect of that empty, radiant mind, luminous mind. So compassion, as you probably know, is one of the Brahmaviharas. For this week, many of you, a quarter of you, have been residing in compassion in Karuna. All of our buildings are named after the Brahmaviharas, And though we tend to more teach metta, loving-kindness, as the foundation Brahma-vihara, because it has that beautiful quality of... Um, softening, tenderizing the heart, but it's very responsive. So metta, when it meets a sense of well-being or is directed towards happiness, uh, manifests this beautiful well-wishing, uh, kindness, friendliness. But when metta meets suffering, it immediately manifests as compassion. So it has this malleable quality. When it meets joy and, and, and uh, the, the fact that things are really going well it it manifests as joy, as sympathetic joy, and then it all. All of the brahmaviharas have to have a little flavor of equanimity for them to find their grounding or stability. But compassion is a brahmavihara, karuna is the Pali word, <clears throat> and like all of the brahmaviharas, it has a practice that helps us cultivate it. And I think one of the things that is really important to reflect on about compassion, because a number of people have already said things like, you know, where is the compassion? Or if everything is empty, then what does that mean? Is it cold or void or deficient? And I hope that you're getting that what emptiness means is not empty like this bell is empty or like, you know, my bank account is empty or the (laughs) larder is empty, not that kind of deficient emptiness. It means arising out of causes and conditions, not having any inherent self-existence. Then you can see that compassion is exactly that. It's a mental factor. We feel it also in the heart, but it's constructed. It arises in response to conditions. So... The point I want to keep making this morning is compassion itself is empty. And we don't like to hear that because it feel, compassion can feel so full and so, so meaningful for us. But it's empty in this exact way. It's constructed. It arises out of causes and conditions. So there are practices that we can do to develop compassion. Compassion. All of us, I think, though, know this quality. We don't need to practice to develop it. When we are exposed to suffering, when someone we care about is struggling, suffering, when we're suffering, the the suffering in the world, when we are open to that, the natural response is compassion, is caring. No one has to tell us how to do that. But what the practice of compassion can do is enable us to find a stability in that. Enable us to actually integrate or embody that beautiful quality of compassion. The, the translation, or the definition of compassion is often the quivering of the heart in response to suffering. And I love that as a definition, the quivering. It really has that physicality that we can feel, that emotional response, that tenderness, that is so easily evoked in us. As a practice, like the metta practice, there are phrases that one can use. And the classic one is just, may you be free of suffering, may I be free, may we be free of suffering. But sometimes that can seem a little grandiose. I mean, we know the first noble truth, there is suffering. What does it mean for us to wish someone to be free of suffering that doesn't happen until enlightenment. So sometimes it's more helpful to soften that a little. May you hold this suffering with compassion. May you open to your pain or sorrow with grace or kindness. I care about your suffering. All of these phrases can be used in the compassion practice. Usually it's pretty simple. It's just one or two phrases. It's a challenging practice. I did compassion practice intensively for a month and to just keep coming back to suffering again and again. I mean, there were times of great tenderness and deep compassion, but also can be a weariness because there is so much suffering. It can seem endless or bottomless. And this is where compassion needs to be united with emptiness. If I think I'm the one that needs to heal the suffering, I need to take care of you, or them, or everyone. It's impossible. It's impossible. But if we can just open to compassion, as as they say in the text, boundless, immeasurable, not a self-identity view in there, then it is possible. And so again, this is part of why compassion needs emptiness, because if it's too much I in there, it, it, it we get overwhelmed. Each of the Brahma-viharas has what's called a near and far enemy. And the near enemy is something that looks like the Brahma-vihara, masquerades as it, but is some kind of distortion. So usually uh, for compassion, the near enemy is pity, sometimes grief, but usually pity. And Stephen Levine says something like, when your love touches someone's suffering, it evokes compassion. When your fear touches someone's suffering, it evokes pity. Pity is that distancing that says, I care, but boy, I'm glad it's not me. Or, you know, you over there, you know, you're suffering and me from my place of whatever, non-suffering or capability or resource, I can help you. But there's definitely a sense of separation. Compassion literally means to feel with, compassion. So there's empathy and compassion. There's not distance. The far enemy of a compassion is cruelty. It's actually causing suffering rather than trying to alleviate suffering. The near and the far enemy. Most of us, most of the time, don't dabble too much in cruelty. Maybe a little bit of emotional cruelty every now and then, you know, if you're really honest. But it's not something that we wish for ourselves or for others, right? It's, it's it's Most of us are here because we really value kindness and caring. Pity is something definitely that I think, I know I can experience when the heart contracts a little, it's too overwhelming to feel true compassion. You know, there's a kind of poor you or poor them and a distancing. But in the meditation this morning, I didn't want to so much focus on those because I think what we actually experience more are two variations of a near and a far enemy. The near enemy that I think is more common for us is trying to fix. Mm-hmm. Is we, we, uh, we see the suffering and instead of feeling with and being able to be with someone in it, we're there manipulating. And of course the natural expression of ca- compassion is to want to help no question, to want to alleviate suffering. But we need to be aware of the tendency, the fixing that wants to fix so we don't have to feel it. It's not so much so they don't have to feel it, it's so we don't have to feel it. And that I know for me is a more common tendency, you know, that just, I hear about something and immediately go to the solution, what you need to do, how we can get rid of this, how we can take care of this. Instead of being with the person or the situation just as it is. And then the far, far enemy, though it's not, you know, it's, again, these are variations, not traditional, is just closing down. It's too much, I can't bear it. And, and we can so often feel that with the suffering in the world. What can we do? And our, our challenge in this era, of course, is we hear about everything. We hear about Every flood and famine and war and injustice and cruelty and prejudice and inhumanity to to humans and to animals. It's a flood of information. And sometimes we just feel we can't bear it anymore. And that's again when emptiness is really necessary. We, me, I, I can't bear it. But compassion can open to it. Kuan Yin, our um, statue here at the back of the hall, many of you uh, connect with her. She's the embodiment of compassion. And she sits in this posture, it's called the posture of royal ease. And what it's meant to signify is she's ready to move. She's ready to get up at any moment. But I love that it's called royal ease. She also is quiet. There's an equanimity there. So it says that she hears the cries, the 10,000 cries of joy and sorrow in the world, and her heart is moved, but she maintains a balance. And I don't know if you know this Kuan Yin, that's, um, I'm not good on languages, I guess it's the Chinese. The Japanese is Canon. Anyone have a Canon printer? No. You have a Bodhisattva sitting on your <laughs> desk. They named the company. I have a Canon printer, and I love that my printer is a manifestation in a very simple way, or <laughs> small way, of that Bodhisattva spirit of Kuan Yin, Canon. So in the meditation this morning, I'm going to invite you to re- reflect the way we do in a traditional compassion meditation about uh people who are suffering, but not to do the formal practice, which is repeating phrases. It seems a little busy and full, given the spaciousness we've been invited into, but to more pay attention to these movements of the heart. As I said, the one that moves to fixing, the one that closes down and just says, I can't be with this anymore. And to see if there's a possibility of the heart just remaining open. And so we have to be honest with ourselves as we do. It's very subtle. When I, when I did this practice, uh, you know, a number of times I've done compassion meditation, you can just see that little movement that says, oh, this, we'll do that. We'll get, we'll get this, or we'll take that away. That's not, in, especially as the meditation not compassion. That's fixing. Compassion is, can we just sit here and be with this person? feel with this person with all of the brahmaviharas i think it's really helpful to have them be based in the body even though we use reflection we use phrases or contemplations they're very body they it's helpful it's they 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 manifest more deeply if they're based in the body so wherever your attention is now, just allowing it to inhabit your body. Just the way we begin every meditation with this gentle invitation to presence in the body as it is here and now. And softening the body. We've spoken a lot about softening and relaxing. This is an act of kindness towards yourself, an act of compassion, rather than trying to instruct the body to be a certain way, to hold it, try to attain some ideal, perfect meditator's posture. What does being kind to the body look like right now? How could you invite softness even compassion into your relationship to the body. I find using the breath is helpful. Just breathing in a way that's comfortable, that opens the chest and belly, that softens the shoulders and the pelvic region, the legs, whatever that looks like for you. In the Brahmavihara practice, it can be helpful to have a spacious awareness of the breath as we sit, but with some sense of locating our attention in the heart center, the center of the chest, and not looking for anything mystical or chakra or anything, but just as a place to connect, ground your awareness very softly with a sense of openness, Breath moving in and out of the center of the chest. And then deliberately bring to mind someone you know someone you care about who's suffering. Could be suffering physically with illness or loss. Could be emotional suffering around their life or relationships. Could be struggling financially or in their work. Just bring one person to mind. It's usually not hard to find If you have many, just choose one. Say their name. Have a sense of why it is you care about them, the connection you have, the warmth, the friendship. Have a visual image of them if you can, a felt sense, the sound of their voice, sense of their presence. And then see if you can just open to what's difficult for them. If it helps you to say the phrases of compassion, you may do so. May you be free of suffering or free of this suffering. May you hold this suffering with compassion. I care about your suffering. But more importantly, notice the quality of your heart. What what is its response to this person and their suffering? The little movements of forward to connecting that's a true gesture of compassion and then when it distorts just that little bit to trying to fix, trying to push away the suffering. Or when does it get too much? And we say, there's a little bit of Distance or closedness. Using your breath to keep you grounded here and now. Knowing that the best thing you can do for this friend is just to be there for them. There are other times and places where you might be able to actively help them. But right now All you can do, the best thing you can do is just to feel with them. But see if you can feel with them with equanimity, with balance, with spaciousness. You might even say with emptiness. So that everything is held in this vast open field of the mind and the heart. There's space for everything all of the thoughts and memories and responses. But again, not getting lost in the story of them and their struggle, just enough so that you know, you know very clearly, intimately, their situation. Can you just sit with them? It's so you're sitting right next to them, holding their hand, and not saying anything. How do you do that? How do you stay present, open, balanced? So we notice when the heart contracts or moves in any way, use the breath, use your sense of caring to come back into presence with this person. Notice how we can move into sadness, to grief or sorrow. Compassion in its purest form is not a suffering state. It's a state of great tenderness, but it doesn't fall into grief or despair or sadness. Can we be with this person with this sense of spaciousness, caring, but some stability, really offering them this possibility of being held in compassion. It's a kind of strength in compassion that allows us to bear the suffering, hold the suffering. seeing if the mind and heart can be quiet and still as you just sit with this person, not telling stories, telling them stories, telling yourself stories, just feeling with, And now gently letting go of this person you've been caring for and turning the focus of the compassion on yourself. This is actually a really valuable practice to find the sense of compassion or kindness for our own struggles, our own difficulties rather than judging ourselves for our struggles, being critical, wishing them away. Just having that expression of caring. This is really putting the Four Noble Truths into practice. Four Noble Truths are not just ideas to believe, but they're practices. And the first is just saying there is suffering. Suffering should be understood. This is suffering. So just bringing to mind some particular way in which you're struggling at the moment, physically or emotionally, some difficulty in your life. or perhaps it can just be a general sense of, of how life is difficult. Again, not telling a long, involved story. You know what it is, where you struggle. Can you bring some kindness that struggle to yourself. Sylvia Borstein is a great teacher in this. She says she'll just say to herself, oh honey, this is really difficult. This is really hard. And she'll put her hand on her heart or her cheek and just acknowledge this is really difficult. Can you hold yourself in compassion again with that same tenderness that has balance and stability in it, that doesn't move into wanting to fix, isn't cruel, judging, harsh, wanting to push away, but just acknowledges life is difficult. Can I be open to this? Can I be kind with this difficulty, kind to myself? Just, again, seeing if the heart, the mind, can be spacious and wide. So these different emotions, images might arise. And they're held in compassion, held in kindness. Not trying to push them away or fix them. You're just noticing what your heart does. And how if You get involved, the heart often closes down, can't bear it, doesn't like it. But if there's just compassion, everything is possible. How do you invite that balance, that ability to stay open? Notice what you do to come back into balance. As you notice the movements of contraction or fear or sadness. And how often it's a letting go. It's a simplifying. It's not a doing. Notice what it is that you do to let the heart be open and spacious, yet caring. And lastly, if you feel ready, if you feel this is okay to do, opening to the suffering of the world. This is where we so easily feel overwhelmed, feel helpless. So much going on for humans, for animals, in the environment, all kinds of injustices and cruelties, hunger and famine and floods, natural disasters, man-made disasters. How can the heart open to that? How can we be like Kuan Yin, who hears the cries, the 10,000 sorrows, yet finds a way to stay in balance so she can Continue her compassionate activity. If she was to get overwhelmed, she could no longer help, could no longer serve. So notice what the heart does. Use your breath to find space and ease. See if there can be that openness, spacious tenderness perhaps to a particular kind or form of suffering, just this vast realization there is suffering in the world. Again, if it feels too much, you can go back to something simpler. Do what feels right for you. So this can be a challenging practice as it opens the heart. It really tenderizes us and we can feel very vulnerable. So really uh, acknowledge that for yourself if, if that's the case. And as we take a 15-minute break, just bring that sense of kindness and care as you, you go out and, and do what feels right for you. Just sometimes going out and just looking across the valley can lift the spirits a little and, and feel the beauty that's there at the same time as their suffering. So let's take a 15-minute break. We'll start again at 9.30. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.